Many of us have likely had some time at the beach this summer, right? For my family, an annual trek to the ocean is a highlight of the year, cherished time to be together, swimming, playing, celebrating God's beauty all around us. So much of the ocean can restore us and refresh us, so much about the ocean can restore us and refresh us. I'm often, myself, mesmerized by the waves. I've heard that whether you're at the beach or not, the waves keep rolling in. Have you heard that? (laughs) Sometimes waves are big. Sometimes waves are small. Sometimes waves are gentle. Sometimes waves are fierce. When you watch the waves, it seems almost that they are coming from a long way away, making their journey into the sand one after another, a kind of trance-inducing phenomenon. They glisten, they sparkle, they make noise, they splash. You would think that the waves have their own character and their own energy, but Waves, waves are always the random product of other forces. The wind, the tide, the sun's heat and the evening's cool, even the rotation of the earth, all these things contribute to the generation of waves. Waves are simply the outcome, the result of everything that's happening around them. The challenge of Christian faith, the challenge of Christian life, is that we not be like waves. Simply the result of everything that's happening around us. The calling, the invitation of Christian faith is that our lives are not the product of forces and happenings and actions around us. We are to be people with a foundation and a focus that frame our lives no matter what is happening around us. That's the calling and the invitation of Christian faith. Deep into the New Testament, there is, when we're hardly left with any pages, there is this short letter, the letter of James. James, as it is today, was a very prominent name In the first century, James is a very popular name in the New Testament. There was James, the brother of Jesus. There was James, the son of Alphaeus. There was James, the younger. There was James, the son of Zebedee and others. So scholars are really not sure who wrote the letter of James. James, the one who wrote the letter, was someone who knew lots about Christian life and the way of Jesus Christ. The letter of James is just a short letter full of very deep wisdom and encouragement about living life that's rooted in God with a foundation and a focus so that people who live with that foundation and focus can live not swept up in all the happenings and currents and winds that might be around them. 
It's actually not clear either when James was written, probably toward the very end of the first century. But the words of James prove to be timeless. We're so easily blown about by what happens to us. We're so easily shaken by what's happening around the world. The letter of James gives us a fresh perspective about who we are and what life is meant to look like, how we're to live. This week, a week of heartbreaking gun violence at Smith Mountain Lake with vivid images and frightening clarity, frightening clarity about what can happen so quickly I have found myself feeling a bit blown and knocked once again by the forces of the world. And it's not just gun violence. We have the continuing story of people dying, trying to find a better life, immigrants fleeing from war and terror, from suffering and poverty. And then we might all be carrying other issues that challenge us and worry us and knock us around from our calling, our foundation, our focus as God's people. So listen with me to some words from James. Beginning at chapter 1, verse 17. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed beyond their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of the Lord. So in another week, when we might be wondering how to sort life out, because all the challenges that might be knocking us around and covering us and blowing us about, in another week, when we feel like we've maybe lost our bearings, these words want to give us a foundation. And these words want to give us a focus for our living. 
First of all, we're to remember that God is over and under and through and in everything. James uses the phrase, Father of lights. Every hope and every good thing find its source in God, who is constant and abiding and caring. The stars and their movement, their seeming movement in the sky, mesmerized first century people. James affirms that God, the author and giver of life, governs and rules the world. God has plans and purposes that we cannot see. We can and we must trust God, not the snares of the world. This is what he's saying. Everything that lights up the world is a gift from God in fulfillment of God's loving and great purposes. We are given a birth and a life so that we can reflect God's light and be God's creature serving in the world. Life comes from God. Life is held by God. Our life is to be about serving God with love and with care, instruments of God's light. And then James keeps telling us, how do we do this? How to do this? In this passage, he says, we are encouraged to be quick to listen, slow to speak, Slow to anger, for he says, your anger does not produce God's righteousness. He says, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. Sordidness and rank growth of wickedness. Those words have a particular sting this week. Beautiful, devoted, loving, passionate young people gunned down in our state doing their jobs. The similarities and the connections to other gruesome violence and vitriol demonstrate again how much we need to rid our lives of all that's vile and wicked. Anger, hatred, killing, it's all too common in our culture. I've had this week a particular proximity to these deaths at Smith Mountain Lake. Some of the officers who were first on the scene of those shootings on Wednesday morning are some of the best peers that come to our twice-a-year annual conference for traumatized police officers. They were present. The state trooper who first came upon the perpetrator on I-66 attended two of our seminars already for other incidents that she's been involved in, and she will likely be at our coming seminar for the incident this week. In light of the sadness and the horrors that keep occurring, it's tempting to feel discouraged. It's tempting to doubt God and God's purposes. It's tempting to wonder What can be done to curb the violence, to bring healing and hope and faithful direction to our particular lives and our world, and add to that whatever else you might be dealing with, a recent medical setback, a transition that's complicated, a loss, other concerns about our messed up world, it's easy to doubt and it's easy to wonder. And it's easy to feel discouraged about what God is calling us to do. 
James is trying to help us. James wants us to get us back on track as God's people. He reminds us that we belong to God, the Father of lights, whose intention is to bring light to the world. As God's people, we're to bear God's light and not contribute to the darkness. We're to be the first fruits for a better and more hopeful world. Then James says, be doers. Be doers and not merely hearers. James follows this memorable exhortation with a kind of quirky and unusual illustration. Talking about a mirror. He says, those who are hearers of the word and not doers are compared to those who look at themselves in a mirror and then immediately forget the image once they step away. Maybe James's point is they look in the mirror and they realize that changes in their appearance are called for some cleaning up, some washing, some fixing of the hair or some smudge or some improvements, but they fail to do anything. They keep on going, looking the same way, hair unkempt, clothes askew, smudges, changes needed. Nah, not doing it. Or perhaps James thinks that they look into the mirror and they see themselves as a child of God, covered with grace, held by God, forgiven, blessed in every way, so much reflecting God's light and love But that impression is only fleeting. It falls away. And they step away from those affirmations of goodness and they continue to live in sordid wickedness. The point is clear. Hearing, which does not lead to doing, is worthless. God's grace and love that covers us and does not lead to love and grace and generosity and commitment from us, well, that's vacuous. That is useless. So what's framing your life in these days? Is it some recent setback or challenge? Is it some burden um, like I've been talking about? Is it a rehearsal of insults? Is it failings that have recently challenged you? Or is it the overarching presence of God and the covering of abundant promises and blessings, the Father of lights, he says, who calls us to live and calls us to love and trust God and serve God with our very lives? Is it The promise of God's presence and care is that what's holding you? That's what James is trying to remind us, because it is. Remind you and me and all of us. It's true, and we're called to love and serve in whatever ways we can. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. I think too many of us can get so off track, and it generates such destruction. Destruction for ourselves and others. Life that is pure and appropriate is a life that trusts God and serves God, no matter what. That keeps striving to serve God, to care for one another, to build community, to make changes, to reach out to the most hurting and the most needy. Extend love to widows, he says, and orphans, and work for a more wholesome world. This is finally and fundamentally what life is about. We seek to trust God no matter what's going on. With no matter what comes our way. 
And we seek to sincerely serve God with our actions and love and spread light in the world with the whole of our lives all the time. One of the best books that I read this summer is a book that maybe many of you have read too. The Boys in the Boat, a number one bestseller on the New York Times list by Daniel James Brown. The book is about nine Americans and their epic quest to win gold medal in rowing in the 1936 Olympics. 1936 was soon after the epic depression The boys in the boat, eight oarsmen and one coxswain in the bag, were from the University of Washington. They were sons of loggers and shipyard workers and farmers. They worked hard, they struggled, they trained, and they beat the kids from the elite schools in the East and then shocked the world by winning the gold medal. It's a great story about a remarkable achievement and a wonderful season in our history. The heart of the rowing team, the boys in the boat, and the heart of the story is a man named Joe Rance who had more challenge and more difficult odds than any other kid in the boat. Joe Rance came from a shattered home. He had to overcome so much deal with setbacks so often along the way and sadness, work several jobs just to pay his tuition in addition to the many hours of training. In one chapter of the book, Joe finds himself hanging around the boathouse when George Pocock comes along. Joe, George Pocock is the skilled Englishman who made these long, sleek boats for the team and also served as kind of a consultant for the University of Washington rowing team. Joe was invited by George into George's workspace. Pocock started off explaining the various tools he used to fashion the sophisticated and the sleek boats. He showed Joe the wooden planes, the old rasps and augers and chisels and Files and mallets he had brought over from England and nearly worn out from, his, from their use in making boats. Then he guided Joe over to the lumber rack and he pulled out samples of different woods he used, soft, malleable sugar pine, hard yellow spruce, fragrant cedar, clear white ash. He held each piece up and he inspected it turning it over in his hands and talking about the unique properties of each and how it took all of them contributing their individual qualities, all these different woods, to make a shell that would come to life in the water. He pulled a long cedar plank out from a rack and pointed out the annual growth rings in the cedar. Joe already knew a good deal about the qualities of cedar. He spent almost every summer working in the woods in eastern Washington and Idaho. As Pocock talked and shared insights, Joe was mesmerized. It was not just what the Englishman was saying or the soft earthly cadence of his voice. It was the calm reverence with which he talked about the wood 
as if there were something holy and sacred about it. The wood, Pocock murmured, taught us about survival, about overcoming difficulty, about prevailing over adversity, but it also told us something about the underlying reason for surviving in the first place. Something about infinite beauty, about undying grace, about things larger and greater than ourselves and the reasons we're all here. Surely I can make a boat, Pocock said. And then he added, quoting the poet Joyce Kilmer, but only God can make a tree. Pocock pulled out a thin piece of cedar, one that had been milled down and shaped perfectly for a shell. He talked about that house, that piece of wood would serve in the boat and how it was precisely 62 feet long and not a centimeter of variance in the whole length and how this tedious care in fine-tuning that piece of wood would create a wonderful craft, a racing boat. He stepped back and he put his hands on his hips and said, for him, the craft of building a boat was like religion. It wasn't enough to master the technical details of building a boat. You had to give yourself up to it spiritually. You had to surrender yourself absolutely to it. When you were done and you walked away from the boat, you had to feel that you had left a piece of yourself behind in it forever, a piece of your heart. He turned to Joe. Rowing, he said, is like that. And a lot of life is like that too. The parts that really matter anyway. Do you know what I mean, Joe? You have to give yourself fully. Surrender yourself absolutely to it. This is what the letter of James is urging from us. Even when we feel like life is overwhelming, even when we feel like so many things might be against us or so much darkness surrounds us or fills our culture, we look to the Father of lights. The Father of lights. And we seek to be doers not hearers only. Even when our inclination may be, as it is in the first lesson read by Jeff from Mark today, to focus on the wrong things, to get caught up in rules and traditions and circumstances, or when we find ourselves speaking instead of listening, or full of anger instead of grace, the good words from James remind us God is over and through and in and around, always. And we are to be agents of love and agents of healing and agents of hope. Not just hearers, but, but, but doers. Doers of the word, not observers, not bystanders. We're to give ourselves fully to God's work. We're to give our hearts and lives to it, put ourselves into it. And for sure, for sure, we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do in this city, around our state, across the world. The Father of lights is over us. God is with us. We're to be doers. Doers 
To God be the glory. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we believe, we believe. Help our unbelief and fill us by your Spirit with your presence and your promises so we can go forth loving and serving Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.